Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And before we get into the episode, I just want to announce the winners of our Kuposka giveaway. Ooh, is it me? It is not you. <laughs> no. So uh, congratulations to uh, Julia C., who was our big winner, won the Aladdin and Jasmine Kuposka. And Julia. Brittany I, who won the Ariel Q Posket. So Brittany, I'm jealous. Thank you. Thank you everybody <laughs> for entering. And I'm sure you know in the future we'll probably be doing, you know, other giveaways. So be sure to go and like us on Facebook, we're Enchanted Ears, or subscribe to us on YouTube, we're Enchanted Ears over there as well. because um, next time, you know, we have any sort of giveaway, we'll probably be announcing it, you know, on there. It would involve one of those too. So yeah, awesome. And thank you so much to both like all of the people who entered it and especially the two of you who won. Yay. And I also want to announce the results of the Team Mickey Waffle Team Mickey oh, Bar no. poll. So <laughs> if you didn't listen to last week's episode, go back and check that out now. But um, we did another episode of You Can Only Keep One where we give ourselves like three options uh, and only one of them can stay. And we did... Uh, a food version last week and we got this big debate over uh team mickey waffles is which side i fell on and angela fell on team the correct side well let's see is it the correct side so i put this out on facebook i put a poll out on our facebook page and i also uh did a poll on our our instagram story so what was interesting was uh, facebook was pretty much a clear runaway team mickey waffles it was like 60 percent uh, Mickey waffles. And then the Instagram poll was kind of the other way. Like it was, <laughs> it was mostly Mickey bar, but there was less votes on it. So overall, that's because I have 17 different Instagram accounts. Yeah, no, I look. <laughs> All right. So, so the final results are there are 34 votes total. So 19 votes for Mickey waffles and 15 for Mickey bar. So it's 56% for Mickey waffles and 44% for Mickey bar. So, Mickey Waffles is the winner. 34 votes. That is definitely defines a scientific uh, polling vote. So team oh, Mickey Waffles are right. So I am on the correct side here and oh, you're on the goodness. incorrect side. Like you need another win. Yes. So, <laughs> so thanks everybody that, that voted. Yeah. Thanks guys. All right. So getting into Disney news this week, uh, the we, we didn't touch on this last week because we kind of had the episode recorded uh, before the parks open but disney world has reopened so magic kingdom and animal kingdom they opened on the 11th officially they did have pass holder previews and cast member previews the week leading up to that so the parks had been open for about a week before that and then a few days uh, after that epcot and hollywood studios opened so everything is open now and so now that the parks are open i think we have a little bit uh you know, better idea of what's going on there. Crowd levels do seem to be really low. Uh, everybody has to wear a mask. Disney's already changed the mask policy a few times uh, since opening. So originally you could wear bandanas or like the neck gaiters. And now you cannot wear those. It has to actually be, you know, something that, that is, they say two layers of fabric, you know, strapped around your ear. And you could also take your mask off when you're eating or drinking. But it sounds like people were abusing that of, oh, hey, I'm going to get a bottle of water and then just walk around the park and say, oh, I'm <laughs> drinking. Because um, I just saw a day or two ago that Disney, the cast members are now asking guests to step off to the side, take a seat somewhere uh, and eat their meal or, or have their drink 
and not just walk around without their mask on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it's going to be interesting because like food and wine is going on right now. Yeah. So you're going to have to to grab a spot um, to eat your food. You just can't be walking around there. But I, think, I, I could see people like abusing that. Yes, absolutely. And I think that this I feel like we mentioned this before where the American parks are really going to kind of have to go the way of like where like the Japanese parks tend to go where it's like if you're eating you're sitting like you're not walking around and eating your food you get food and it's it's almost like it's rude to walk around and eat so um it's kind of like we're going to be heading in that direction because again you know we want to make sure everybody is protected you're protected against other people other people are protected against you so stay in one spot do your eating and then put your mask on and then you can move around yeah but it definitely seems like from what i've like seen and people you know who are at the parks like posting videos and what they've said online i mean everybody is wearing masks like everybody is you know compliant with it they do have like relaxation areas where you can take your mask off and mm-hmm. just kind of sit uh, even if you're not eating it, it you know it's kind of set up so that we can kind of still stay st- socially distant from people um but so the parks are open they do have it seems like the weights are pretty low for rides and if people are posting about flight of passage being like 10 minutes <laughs> which is pretty crazy you know, Disney announced they're not having parades, but yet they're having these character cavalcades that we kind of talked about <laughs> a few weeks ago, which is essentially a parade float. Um, but I guess it sounds like what the difference is, instead of doing a parade that is, you know, 10 floats that like shuts down Main Street for a half an hour, it's just one float at a time. So mm-hmm. there's just kind of one float going quickly through the parks. And then that way, you still get to see the characters um, but it's not it's not stopping traffic. It's like 30 seconds and then, you know, they're passed. And that way people aren't gathering. Yeah, one of the most interesting things that they've done uh, with this since they've started is they have Merida on a horse. And I know that there was that actually... One of them, yeah. I know that there was actually like a mishap with that too that recently just happened. Yeah, one of the first days a balloon got caught around the horse's leg and it got scared and was... And like Merida had to jump off because it was going to almost like throw her off. And, and they, the cast members walking with Merida and the horse kind of got the horse under control. But yeah, it was a bit of a, like a, a scary moment. But yeah, Merida is one. She's kind of out by herself on a horse. I know I've seen in Animal Kingdom, I think uh, like Timon and Rafiki were, they, they have them on the river um, mm-hmm. on a boat. So they were out there. So I mean, it's interesting. It seems like they, they still have a lot of character interactions and ability to see the characters in the parks just yeah, not like a big parade or anything like that all right um also interesting with the parks reopening disney announced a lot of uh ride permanent ride closures things that aren't going to be reopening one of them is stitch's great escape which has been closed for like a year and a half now um you know unofficially it's been closed now it's officially closed so that's not a real big surprise there the other the other two are in animal kingdom so uh Primeval Whirl over at the Dino Land is closed. And that um, shut down last year. That had some ride issues. And then there were some safety concerns about that ride. So that's not uh, really a surprise there either, um, just because that one had been seasonal as well. But then the one that is a little bit of a surprise is that Rivers of Light is uh, no more, that mm-hmm. that's not going to be reopening. And again, there's no fireworks or nighttime shows, but that's going to be closed. And I guess that was pretty poorly received, but I'm kind of surprised that they are just shutting that down because I can't imagine they're going to put money into a new nighttime show Yeah, over there just because with everything going on, I mean, they're, they're cutting, you know, a lot of stuff. It, it sounds like the, the Mary Poppins expansion is now 
put on hold, if not canceled, over at Epcot. Um, you know, so they're kind of cutting projects that haven't already started. So it seems interesting that they would announce that Rivers of Light is closed, unless they've already been working on a new one and they have it ready to go, and they just assume, you know, hey, in six months to a year, whenever they start doing nighttime shows, they'll have something. But uh, yeah, it seemed a little a little interesting. That was the one I was surprised by. That yeah, the, gonna be there. yeah, we saw Rivers of Light and it was it was okay. Um, wasn't that great? So I can see that, but just to your point, it makes sense that like it. I don't imagine they were already developing something new, so it's weird that they're getting rid of it. Yeah. All right. So on to our main topic this week. So we're gonna be talking about the secretive Club Thirty Three uh, here. So for those of you that that may not be familiar with Club Thirty Three, it is an exclusive set of private lounges uh, slash restaurants that are secretly placed in the Disney parks kind of throughout the world. And it is ultra exclusive there. You have to be uh, a member and we'll kind of get into all the details. Um, But it's really like in an era of secrecy, like there's very (laughs) little information out about it because one, I think the level of member, like the amount of money you have to, to pay to join the club is pretty high. So you're getting a pretty exclusive clientele to begin with. And then I think there's like, you know, rumored NDAs and things that you can't talk about any of it. And there's cell phone rules to prevent you from doing a lot of like picture taking and things like that. So yeah, it's like the coolest secret society you want to be a part of. So (laughs) I also imagine that if you're paying that amount of money that you don't want to open it up to the rest of the public, like you kind of want to keep that air of secrecy. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we'll kind of, We'll touch on this a little bit later, but you know there are rumored to be a lot of celebrity members, and and again, that's what I was kind of saying. Like when you have a like a high net worth group of people, like they're kind of secretive to begin with. You know, celebrities mm-hmm. aren't ones to they, they want to have a private life. I mean, they they're in the public eye enough; they don't want to be spreading all this other stuff. So even if you aren't a celebrity and you're a member there, you almost kind of want to respect the privacy of the other members. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of makes sense that you have that. And again, if you're signing some NDA, Disney will probably sue you for everything you own, (laughs) you know, if you release too much information about it. So, so with that said, I mean, it is kind of difficult to get information, but yet there's still like a lot of information out there about it, but you kind of have to sort through it. So I think as we go through it, there'll be some conflicting numbers, but it's like kind of the best information that's out there. Right. Exactly. I mean, whenever I was looking through this, there's, there are like, like we said, there's a lot of information, but it is conflicting. And then there was also, um, there was a renovation done to the Disneyland, which was the original club 33. So that one was done in 2014. So some of the information we have is probably like pertains to the old one, but I doubt too much of that really does. Right. But before we get into this, um, with all this being said, if any of our listeners are a member or know a member and can get us a reservation at one of these, because members can make non-members uh, reservations. That's one way to kind of get in if you know somebody. Uh, let us know. Send us an email, enchantedearspodcast at gmail.com. We will not tell anybody we went. We will not tell anybody we know that you're a member but we really want to go i was gonna say i I don't know if you necessarily it's a big deal if you tell somebody that you went it's just a matter of you know i will not tell anybody (laughs) i will nobody will ever know that i went it'll be great all right so so let's kind of start with with the history and the initial setup of this so we said that disneyland was the first one and that was i think 
the first one for a while at least yeah it it appears that it it really took about like almost 20 ish years before they ever i mean not quite 20 years before they established a second one and the second one actually wasn't even in the american park which was the second park uh it wasn't in disney world it was actually in disneyland tokyo actually disney world didn't get its own until i think it was 2000 march of 2018 which is crazy to me because i believe uh shanghai also had one before disney world did but going back to the roots it started all it all started with walt so we a lot of us know this that walt is uh worked at or worked on the World's Fair and Disney had exhibits at the World's Fair at 1964 to 1965. And he noticed that a lot of the VI, there are a lot of VIP lounges for corporate promoters and it offered a lot of, you know, extra benefits to corporate elite. And he took note of that and he liked that. Yeah, he saw a chance for more money. And so he was like, why am I not getting on this VIP lounge thing? <laughs> well, not only I mean, that, really... but it helped him to hobnob with people. And remember, Disneyland, in the beginning at least, definitely needed some money and it needed some sponsors. So I'm sure he wanted to hobnob with these people. That well, that's what I money. was going to say is that, you know, Disneyland was built on sponsorships. And that's what I was saying. You know, it's it's all about kind of getting money through corporate sponsorships and these VIPs. So, yeah, I'm sure I can imagine when he kind of saw these VIP lounges that mm-hmm. he saw like a golden opportunity uh, to get more companies in, in Disneyland um, and to kind of make more connections here. Yeah. And it sounded like he started to do this pretty much right away. So he started to use the Red Wagon Inn in Disneyland to host these VIPs, but quickly it outgrew the space that they had at the Red Wagon Inn. So they decided that they were going to take this idea and they were going to run with it whenever they did design the New Orleans Square. So they hired a few artists, um, like really prominent people in the industry. So they first hired Dorothea Redman, who is a baller. And that's because she was the first female production designer and that worked in the industry. And she worked on such like iconic films. I, I say that word all the time, iconic. Um, she worked on iconic films like... Gone with the Wind, The Ten Commandments, along with a bunch of the Hitchcock films. So um, she, he hired her to paint the renderings. And then he also hired set designer Emile Curie to design the like to design the place itself. So he ended up doing Mary Poppins and It's a Wonderful Life, among other great movies. So Walt Disney got the best of the best to help design Club 33 and make the atmosphere what it is and make it exclusive. Then it opened June 15th, 1967, which unfortunately that was six months after Walt died. So he never actually got to see it open. But um, it again, they pretty much followed his original at- intention with the exclusive members from like corporate like people in the industry, but also they did open up individual memberships as well so that people who are caked up and had the money to, to burn could also join. So then Tokyo opened up in 1983 and then shortly, well, I guess it's not shortly after, but after that, the next one to open was Shanghai in 2016. Right. And Tokyo got one because whenever the Oriental Land Company built their Disneyland, they wanted everything the original Disneyland had. So they kind of, they wanted their own club 33 mm-hmm. and so that that's kind of why they had one and again you know it it was this exclusive it's very high-end very exclusive club and i think that's why like walt disney world didn't have one initially and then you know obviously shanghai was built in 2016 that was kind of like their that's their premier park over in china so it makes sense that they would build one there but like 
you know, Hong Kong, Paris, like none of the other parks had one. So it was something that was very exclusive to to Disneyland. And again, you know, Tokyo, they paid so much money, they kind of got whatever they wanted. So it makes sense <laughs> they have one. But yeah, so so it's in, you know, New Orleans Square. I believe Tokyo's is right on kind of their main street. It's called the World Bazaar there. That's where theirs is located um, as well. And again, it, people know where they are, but they are very well hidden. I mean, it's mm-hmm. very easy to pass them in very much a lot of stuff in the Disney theme parks is if they want to hide something from you, mm-hmm. it's kind of easy to do. Like they, they can build things into the facades and make things look inconspicuous that, that you don't necessarily see that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's almost like designed almost like a speakeasy, but not quite. I mean, speakeasy is completely hidden, but it is almost like that in, in the fact that, you know, if you don't know about it, you are not going to look for it and you're not going to see it. Right. And the thing is, it's not like a, a typical restaurant in Disney where there is, there's not somebody standing out front to ask like how many people are in your party or to like, you know, get, get you a table or anything like that. It's, you know, the, the doors are closed. You can't get in unless like you have a card, like there's nobody out front. So it's very easy to pass. If you do know what you're looking for though, I mean, there's, there's club 33, like you'll, you'll see 33 on the door. So you, you can see it if, if you're looking for it. Right. It, it, it basically looks like a facade. It looks like something they just put up. Um, but it, it definitely is, it's very real. But ultimately, if you are able to get inside, because whether you're a member or you're a guest of a member, it is a very upscale uh, restaurant and kind of lounge area, right? So the atmosphere there is really great because whenever I first started researching this, I was wondering, like, why is this even necessary? Why do people want this? It's an escape. You can schmooze there. And also, apparently the service there is like top notch, which to me seems kind of crazy because it's like Disney already has fantastic service, but apparently like they dote on you there and it is, they go through, the cast members go through, according to like a journalist on Thrillist, go through three months of training and they never rush you whenever you're doing your orders and things. So it's, it is a little bit of a step above even what you would get on the outside. Right. Because they're in, I mean, no hurry. It's basically you kind of are in there. You can take as much time as you want. And actually, Kevin uh, Rafferty, who's an Imagineer, uh, he has a, a book out and he talks about his time at Disney. And he actually started uh, in early in his career. He worked at Club 33 at Disneyland. And he talked about, I mean, all everybody there that works there, at least at the time, wears like bow ties and suits and everything so it is very you know upscale and he kind of talked about that of you know how like classy an establishment it is Mm -hmm. yeah it is so speaking of that like what is it like so let's journey inside i'm gonna try something here and it might be a little uh awkward if you're driving don't close your eyes but if you're not driving take a take a second maybe close your eyes and try to put yourself there so i'm gonna describe you're you accessing club 33 and you're going to go into club 33 at disneyland and-, and this is all speculation because we've learned there are no pictures of club 33 you have a better chance of getting a picture of bigfoot than you do getting real information about club 33 i don't believe any of this that you're going to tell me <laughs> but for real there are existing pictures of at least the entrances of club 33 and very limited of the restaurants yeah i'll say the entrances i will agree with but i think the inside yeah. they're all fake well to that's throw you why off the trail whenever I, when i describe this i'm going to go through basically getting in but once we get to the restaurants themselves i'm not going to do this whole like 
first person you're going into them. It's because, a secret society. Because Nobody it is, knows. yeah, it, it is pretty cl- uh, shrouded in mystery. Okay, so you can close your eyes if you're not driving or doing something that's really important. Okay, so you're going to walk up to an inconspicuous dark teal door with beautiful white scrolls uh, on the side panels. And the number 33 is barely noticeable on the clear white, uh, clear and white glass and it's above the door. So you hold up your membership card over the Club 33 emblem and a staff member opens the door about a minute after you do that and permits you to enter. You're welcomed into a vestibule where you check in. You're led into an outside courtyard called Court de Angers. I don't know French, so sorry. I'm going to bust in there. I'm going to mess up all these pronunciations. So you're welcome to a courtyard called Court de Angers, which means Court of Angels, which properly looks like it belongs in New Orleans and has their signature mix of French, Spanish, and Caribbean influences. There you see beautiful, rich, yellow-brown walls and a medium-blue curved staircase that you walk up to get inside. And don't worry if you're in a wheelchair, they also have a, um, a elevator as well that's beautiful and ornate. You walk past the beautiful array of lush plants laid out on, in planter boxes and pretty terracotta pots. At the top of the stairs, you see a beautiful blue doors and gorgeous mosaic like you'd see inside cinderella castle it's mostly blue with yellow swirls and a yellow emblem bearing the number 33 in the center from here you choose your own adventure and you either head down a hallway with floor-to-ceiling windows stained glass and murals on the walls or you go through a dark but large wine cellar either will take you to salon nevu or la grand salon okay so Here's where I'm going to come out of that. So you can unclose your eyes. How was it? Did it look pretty in your mind's eye? It sure did. <laughs> okay. So I'm just going to generally describe both of these places. So there's a lot more pictures of the salon. Again, I don't know French. So Navu Lounge. And it's a jazz lounge, which is exclusive to Platinum and executive members and their guests. And the room has a large stripe of blue turquoise and green stained glass that runs from the length of the room. So it goes from the bar to the back of the room. And the bar itself is meant to look like it's been carved, like hand carved. And it's fully stocked and lit with this beautiful magenta light. And there are small tables that are round and they have deep high back chairs and those are dispersed throughout. And then there's always live jazz music playing. And when they're not playing, there's actually a picture and it looks like it's behind the bar and it comes alive. It doesn't look like it's a very big picture, but that would be something fun to kind of check out while you're there. And while you're there, you can also get flights of drinks or you can sometimes order some menus off of the Le Grand Salon menu. And then there's the Le Grand Salon. So that is the main, like the primary eating establishment inside. And that is New Orleans themed as well. And has this room has large chandeliers. The picture of the place are pretty, but I will say that they are a little bit less impressive and there are far less of them. Um, again, probably because of the cell phone policy, but it looks like um, it looks a little stuffy, to be honest, uh, but it, it it's still nice, of course. It's really the food there that's the piece de resistance. Yeah, and really, like there are, there have been some photos because occasionally Disney does let in like journalists and things, and I think that's kind of where you know some of the food options you're about to describe are, you know, just kind of one potential selection, and that's right. from you know journalists. So occasionally, if you Google this, I mean, there's there is a good bit of research on it. It is. It's hard to find, like I said, exact details, but you right. can find a, a good number of articles where, you know, a journalist got to 
eat lunch there one day and they kind of describe their experience and they have a few photos. So, so you can get a little bit of information out. Um, but like you said, it, it is very upscale that I think kind of stuffy is a, a decent word. I, it's very, um, you know, to kind of quote Gatsby kind of old money, you know, type <laughs> thing. It's, um, you, you can tell, I mean, it was built, it was built in the sixties. It was built for like this luxurious upscale experience. I'm kind of curious, like you, you mentioned, they remodeled it in 2014. I don't know if any, when these pictures are from or not. Like if they softened some of that and made it kind of more modern feel to it. And then, you know, a lot of the newer ones with like Shanghai and even in Disney World, I'm not sure what those look like. I don't know if there's really many pictures of those since they're so new, um, kind of what the decor of those are. Yeah. So uh, to what you were just saying, yeah, I didn't see any pictures of any anywhere in any of the other parks, but it did seem like the pictures that I, or a lot of the pictures that I was looking, was looking at were post renovation. So this is, it still is pretty, looks pretty stuffy still, even after that. Um, but again, it's the food that's the, really the, the big catcher here and just like and as joe mentioned i'm getting i'm getting this information from heather at disney food blog her article that she wrote called dining in disneyland dinner at the newly renovated club 33 and so this would be just one selection of menus and i'm sure that they rotate it based on time of year and what kind of ingredients are available yeah i've kind of i mean what i've seen it almost seems like they can kind of make you anything it's like the other restaurants in the theme parks where it's like a a set menu type thing that there's always it's it's very upscale and it's it's high quality and it's not something like you'd see in any of the other parks. If you think of like the best like table restaurant in Disneyland, like it's better than that. You know, it's it's a real it's a proper five star restaurant. Yeah, I would be curious to know like if you have special food na- needs. I would I would definitely assume that they would accommodate you. But like they have a whole course here where it's only meat. But if you're a vegetarian, um you know, you, I guess you could order multiple items from the course before, but it is really interesting to see that. Um, I, yeah, I'm I sure that they this, would accommodate I think this you. is from a, like a prefix menu. Yeah, yeah. Had. I think that because this is, you know, they have like a, a five course menu and, it, you know, it's, so that, that's typically like a prefix, almost kind of like what they have at the, the Grand Floridian. If you go to that restaurant and uh, the name's escaping me right now, but that's a you know five star restaurant as well. You know, that's a three hour meal that you have that's, you know, a a five or six course meal. Um, So I think it's probably something, you know, kind of most um, equal to that. And so, yeah, I'm just kind of touching on, you know, a few of the items they've had from, like you said, this Disney food food blog. But it starts with an amouche bouche, which is my favorite word of all time. Um, So that's why I just wanted to say that. And and again, it, it's multiple words. It means mouth amusement in French. It's which... hyphenated, so I'm counting that as one word. <laughs> but it is it is my favorite term of all time. So yeah, so so it starts with that. Um, you know, there's bread service, but then there's you know kind of this you know five or six course um, meal that you have with it, which so, all sounds really good. Yeah, it definitely does. So your first round is like your appetizer round, and you get so again for when Heather went, she got either sauteed asparagus, salmon, carpaccio, seared beef, or lobster Rockefeller. Um, And then course two is like a salad or a soup course. So you could get a summer garden salad, heirloom tomato salad, watermelon salad, or summer corn soup. And then the course three is like a fish dish. And there are a bunch of different, I mean, they're like a choice of four different 
dishes, which again, they all sound really good. Um, particularly when she went the grilled diver scallop and golf shrimp sounds pretty good. Um, and she also mentioned that she didn't get that dish. She actually got two from the previous dish because she didn't like fish. So they are willing to work with you a little bit on that. And then the, before your fourth course, they actually give you a palate cleanser, you know, because just like you need a mousse-bouche to warm up your palate, it's kind of like stretching for your mouth. Um, they give you cucumber lime sorbet, which I would imagine probably all year round is available uh, to kind of you know, clear out that fish taste from your mouth so that you can enjoy your main course, which is your fourth dish. And again, these sound pretty good. They have an, an array of different um, available options. There is a vegetarian option that they have listed. They have vegetarian layered ratatouille listed. So that sounds pretty good. And then there's also like your staple kind of things like petite Angus filet mignon. And they also have um, like a rack of lamb and sassafras dusted duck breast, which sounds disgusting to me, but I know a lot of people like duck. Um, and then there's an optional cheese course. So this is why it's a five or six course meal. So you can get this um, cheese course, which is a, as Disney says, it's a diligently selected trio of artisanal cheeses with orange blossom honeycomb. Um, and then finally your is your dessert course. And this is, of course, the course that interests me the most. Um, these all sound really good, but the most exciting one to me sounds like the vanilla creme brulee with apricot conserve and cognac flambe. Oh, and uh, they set it on fire right next to your like table. So that sounds like fun. Never seen that before. Dinner and a show. <laughs> yeah. And they also have a kid's menu. So if you're bringing a child, if your child is so lucky to be going to Club 33, uh, they do have yeah, a kid's I was gonna menu. Say that, those are pretty lucky kids if you get to go to Club 33. I mean, if any listeners willing to take us to Club 33, I mean, I would be willing to eat off the kid's menu. I don't even care. I bet that their kid's menu is just as good. <laughs> all right. So yeah, all of this is from the Disneyland one. The one in Disneyland is actually pretty easy to find. If you're in New Orleans Square... Um, and you're kind of just walking along the the alleyway past the other restaurants, you can actually see the door that has 33 on it. Uh, I'm not sure if that's kind of the official entrance or not, but that that one's you know pretty easy to find if you're looking for it. I remember seeing that at Disneyland. But you know, as we mentioned, there are uh, Club 33s in other parks. So in Tokyo, we mentioned that's on their, their World Bazaar, which is their main street. The Shanghai Disneyland one is on Mickey Avenue. And then Walt Disney World, all four parks a few years ago just got their own Club 33s. It's a little bit hard to kind of figure out where these ones all are. But from what I was able to gather, it seems like the one in Epcot is right by the American Pavilion. And it's called the Constellation Club. So they're all themed a little bit differently. Uh, the one in Hollywood Studios is actually in the Brown Derby. There's apparently like an elevator if you're in the Brown Derby mm. that you can see and again if you're looking you can see the 33 logos outside the door um it actually looks like in disney world all the parks there they almost have like a, a fast pass reader that you almost use like your magic band to get in hmm. um, so that's kind of something to look for but the one in hollywood studios is called the spotlight lounge the one in magic kingdom is uh right when you're walking into Adventureland on your right uh, it's right there and it's called the captain's quarters and then the one in animal kingdom is right by the festival of the lion king kind of i think it's like when you're going to pandora i think we saw this under construction as we were walking so if you're walking oh. past like festival of lion king 
and you're kind of walking toward that bridge to Pandora. I think it's right there, but it's called the Harambe House. Um, so those are kind of the locations. So next time you're in the parks, uh, you can kind of try to find them. And again, you're just going to see like a 33 logo and that's pretty much it. That's all you're really <laughs> going to be able to see. But it'll still be a fun little, you know, just like people look for hidden Mickey's, look for Club 33's. So it is, it is really interesting. Now, to become a member uh, is rather difficult in the <laughs> fact that you have to have uh, probably more money than anybody could imagine. So, <laughs> so membership, and again, this is, this is where it gets to like more into speculation because, again, I don't think anybody's really able to talk about it, but the membership is rumored to be and again, sites are wide ranging, but like twenty-five to forty thousand dollars. That's just your initiation fee. So that's just getting you in the door. Uh, and, and I believe that's per person. Yeah. So if you're a couple, you don't get registered as like a couple. You, I mean, again, Joe could join, and I could go maybe as a guest. I no. believe. So I'm gonna join and go in and be like, "Sorry, Angela, you have to wait outside." I'm going into my secret club. So rude. Do you hear how rude he is I'm to me? I'm going with my secret friends here. So rude. But yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I think you can you can take spouses as, as guests, but so it's 25, yeah, to maybe 40,000, who knows, as your initiation fee. And I believe there's like membership tiers, and I think that's what causes the wide range of of pricing because I mean, I think you could be, you know, like the low level club 33 member. And that's probably 25,000. <laughs> but then like you mentioned, your platinum members to get into the lounge, yeah. they're probably the ones that are 40 or 50,000 to get in. Yeah, exactly. So, But that's just your initiation fee. And then you have annual dues on top of that, which are around $12,000 a year, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And then... On top of that, you got to pay for your food. It's not even like the meals are free. Like yeah. You have to pay for your food. So it's a lot of money to join. I kind of look at this, you know, we've, we've talked about DVC before and kind of, you know, the, the pricing model of DVC. And, and that's, I mean, fairly expensive too. I mean, DVC, you're talking, if you buy new, you're talking probably thirty to $40,000 to buy in. And then, you know, it's maybe three or $4,000 a year. It's kind of a similar kind of group of people they're targeting to an extent. Like DVC, you're very you're very committed to the parks, but at least for that, you're getting your hotels paid for. You're yeah. getting well, you don't get tickets there, but it kind of pays for itself over time with with DVC to an extent. With this, yeah, I think we figured out if you're going to be a member for it was like something like 15 years or something. Well, that's I what Disney like. says says over you know. 10 to 15 years, then it starts kind of paying for itself. But this is like a similar, I would say, kind of super fan of Disney. But in no way does this pay for itself. Because, uh-uh. again, you, you get you do get some tickets. And we'll kind of get into the, the benefits of the membership beyond just being able to go to the club. But you're paying $12,000 a year plus a 50, you know $30,000 initiation fee. Plus, you still have to pay for your food. Like, this is really just like you want to be... A part of this, and that's why I think it's like really celebrities. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's really like a really high end clientele that join this. But I want to join this more than anything else now because I want to be involved <laughs> in a secret society. <laughs> and it, and or if this sounds just like you're ready to go, you have your money, you're ready to go. How do you become an actual member? Well, if you want to join the the Disney World version, you email them at club thirty three at waltdisneyworld.com. And then you wait. And yeah, I was going to say, even if you have the money, it's like a 
five to ten year wait list well, on these we right were, now? We were talking about this yesterday before we were like, you know, before we decided to record. We don't know exactly what it's like for Disney World since it's relatively new and there are four different clubs dispersed throughout. So maybe the waiting list isn't as bad for Disney World. It seems like for Disneyland, it's crazy because that's the original. Um, and there's, you know, different perks to that, that one. It's close to Hollywood and everything. Yeah, and they will not tell you how long you have left on your waiting list. So you mentioned you can email Disney World. There's also, if Disney lands, you just send them a letter and say, hey, I want to be on the waiting list. And, and there's a WikiHow article about how to do this. Yeah, so and if you, you want to look wait. at that. I kind of think, you know, you don't have the money. We don't have the money now. I kind of think you get on the waiting list because who knows, in 10 years, <laughs> maybe you have it because otherwise you're waiting around and then it's like 20 years. I think we send in a letter and be like, I want to get on this waiting list. <laughs> And then maybe, you know, we just wait around. And then what's the worst that happens is they say, okay, you can join. Be like, well, I don't have $50,000 to join, but it was fun to say I'm on the waiting list. Yeah. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be an official wait list member <laughs> of Club 33. It's like an aspirational thing. You know, yes. it's like you set a goal. This is my goal for 10 years from now. You are, you send in your application and your letter. Just don't put in your letter that you want to see celebrities because apparently that's a no-no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so so, but once once you do become a member, you do get access to the club, and then you know your your annual dues do get you something. You get a a platinum uh, annual pass, which gives you access to uh, the both American parks. You can get I think up to fifty passes a year for the parks to give to people. Yeah, fifty single day passes. Right. And I believe the annual passes, again, I saw this somewhere. I'm not sure how true this is, but that you get them for like your family and your children as long as they're under 26. Yeah. Like everybody gets an annual pass. So again, for $12,000 well, a year, you're at least getting something for it. I mean, there's but- there's more than that even. You can you can basically, the characters are on call. As long as you give them advance notice, you can actually have, like it's rumored that you can actually say, hey, rumored. I want Baymax yeah. to come here. Can you though? I, 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 I mean, I believe, done that? I believe that I do. You get free valet parking, exclusive merchandise that's sold there, and also uh, pre- multiple fast passes. So extra fast yeah, passes. They do have a gift shop. And it, I saw that, that you exit through the gift shop, like everything else in Disney. Once you're done eating, you go through the gift shop and can buy, you know, Club 33, you know, logo merch and everything like that. So. Yeah. So let's say uh, you do actually manage to join um, or you get somebody, you know, uh, again, listeners, you get somebody that to take you and like we're hopefully going to get. What's the dress code? Like, what do you have to do? It's a fancy place. So what what would you wear? So if you're going for lunch, they say that you wear fashionable casual attire. So there's no tank tops, cutoffs, swimsuits, bare midriffs, you know, sweatpants or flip-flops and sandals uh for dinner though men usually will wear like a collared shirt slacks or a suit and ladies would wear informal dress and or pants and a blouse yeah it's basically follow the same rules yeah it's basically like if you're dining at one of the upscale restaurants at disney like you know if you were at disney world and you go to the california grill or the yachtsman something like that and they have dress codes there as well when you go to the fine dining establishment so it's it's maybe you know a little bit above that, but it's kind of you know that level where you're not just going in your typical you know theme park attire <laughs> and and going to be walking in there. Yeah, so um, I think I read somewhere where somebody said you know this is something that you do 
not if you're going to the parks for a couple days. Like this is something that you do because you have to it, you make an event out of it. You get dressed up to go and everything. Yeah, I mean you're going to run into Tom Hanks, so you got to look good. <laughs> All right. So some other rules at the park they have there in P- Club 33, no smoking even on the balconies, no profanities, no soliciting, no cell phone usage which we talked about, and you cannot transfer your membership privileges to anybody else. Enter Joseph Cosgrove who was 87 when this actually got settled. And again, this this feels very much like DVC to me where you know, Disney has now put in the rules that if you buy a DVC share on the secondary market, you're now locked into just that resort. Whereas, you know, if you buy DVC from Disney, you can use your points anywhere. Now, if you do a resale, you're locked into just the resort that that that, that DVC is at. Again, because Disney would rather it revert back to them and then they can resell a membership again and get you know additional fee so yeah you can't transfer or sell your membership privileges so um there is a pretty famous case with a guy named joseph crossgrove who was one of the original 100 members of club 33 and a lot of this stuff is kind of hearsay uh they obviously apparently well it was a court settled, and it yeah, settled out, out of court. court yeah and so there's not really and, a lot of information about right, it. right and nobody like neither disney nor them is really commenting about it so there's definitely an nda involved there but um yeah but with this it wasn't even i think like he was at least you know kind of i think what the the suit was about is that he wasn't even necessarily trying to sell his membership it was like a was donation a charity. to charity type mm-hmm. thing but i think it just kind of illustrates how serious disney takes club 33 that even you know that and again, not knowing any of the details really, because again, it was all settled out of court. So none of the information is really public, but you know, it seemed like that selling of the, of his passes, Disney construed it as like a sale of membership or something. And again, I think they they try to do this because in the same way, you know, with DVC, it's like whenever you sign up for club 33, I'm sure there's some sort of vetting process to it and they don't want, to vet you and say, okay, you can be a member, you've paid, and then you to turn around and sell um, sell your membership to somebody else or, you know, like, hey, do you want to go dine at Club 33? I'll get you in, pay me $2,000, and then you can go eat lunch or dinner there. Yeah. That you're starting to profit off of that, and then you're getting, like, other people are coming in that Disney has, that they haven't gone through the process. So it makes sense that they kind of are protective about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, how do you unbecome a member would be that you just don't pay your membership dues or you break the rules. So it's it seems like that those are really the only ways to do it. And so let's get to the interesting part that people have probably been waiting for. Who are the rumored famous members? So Tom again, Hanks. yeah, as I was say, this is really, really hard to find. I tried many different websites to get this. It I, I have seen Tom Hanks in a couple places. Uh, another one is Elton John. And the last one that kind of they said pops in and out that is Johnny Depp. So yeah, I would have to imagine I'd have to imagine Johnny Depp's one because he's I mean he played Captain Jack on, mm-hmm. in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride a few times. I would have yeah. to imagine any like those big names that have been in a lot of Disney movies like Tom Hanks is one. And he's in Toy Story. Like you, you'd have to think they get comped there. They don't even have to buy in. I feel like uh, I'm, I'm sure, but I'm sure they can get in easier if they want to. Like you'd have to think somebody like a Robert Downey hey, Jr. Let's yeah, w- let's would, would, ha- let's would probably this. have a, a chance to get in. Bring, bring, bring. Hello. Hi. Uh, 
this is this is Robert Downey Jr. Uh, I'd like to book a reservation at Club Thirty Three for tomorrow night. Yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, it has to be how it goes because I mean, you have Robert Downey Jr. showing up. That completely raises the status of everybody in your club. I could even see that like, Kristen Bell being a member. She seems to really like <gasps> Disney, and she was yes. in Frozen, so I, I could see her being a member. But again, like nobody really knows who is a member i feel like i've heard tom hanks enough that like i want to say that that's true <laughs> just because I, I i feel like i've heard him i feel like i've even heard him mention i it. feel like he's like america's sweetheart so we just want to believe he belongs yeah anyway. I, I feel like i've heard <laughs> heard him even mention it so but yeah but it, it's it's interesting i mean i think you know especially the one in disneyland it potentially you know, could run into c- celebrities which is i think why a lot of people want to go for the yeah. chance to potentially run into these celebrities. Yeah. That would be really cool. Also, you might see a couple, besides celebrities, you might see a couple artif- artifacts in the club that are really exciting. And again, these are the ones in Disneyland, so not the other parks. They have a wood, a walnut table with a white marble top, and that was that appeared as a side table in Mary Poppins. And they also, this, this is the most interesting one to me, they have a harpsichord, which is kind of like a piano, uh, which is was specially built for Lillian Disney and has been played by Paul McCartney and Sir Elton John. So, I mean, it looks gorgeous. And then the fact that those two music icons have played it, I mean, it just sounds incredible and amazing. Yeah, and I don't think we touched on yet why it's called Club 33 at all, because the year 33 doesn't necessarily have a connotation in Disney like D23 does. There are a couple, you know, I think like rumored uh, thoughts. One is that it is named based on the the uh, address in New Orleans Square. So that's 33 Royal Street. Um, there's other thoughts that uh, there were 33 kind of initial sponsors uh, at Disneyland while the club was being created. Or maybe the Walt just liked the way 33 looked. So I don't know if there's a, like an official yeah, there's note also, on it. There's also the, the rumor that it 1933 was the year that prohibition ended and walt disney or disneyland that's the only or one of the only places that sells alcohol so they thought that that could even be it so yeah it's completely shrouded in mystery nobody really knows why it's called that and another thing that's shrouded in mystery is the restrooms um you can't take pictures inside the restrooms there are none that exist but the ladies toilet apparently is like a throne how cool is that? A throne, like a literal throne. I sure hope we can't take pictures in the restroom. I think that's <laughs> yeah. a good rule. So yeah, no, I think it is too. But it, I, I would like to see a picture of the toilet with nobody on it. <laughs> yes. All right, yeah, but I, I think that kind of wraps up at least what we were able to piece together. And again, if if you kind of Google it, there's a lot of information out there. Um, but I know we got a lot of information from. This is kind of pieced together from a few different sources. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely gave some credit during the the show, but I, I started, of course, at Wikipedia, but I looked at Bloomberg, Insider, uh, how to, I, I looked at WikiHow, Disneyland, Club33.com, also um, LA Times, WaltDisneyWorldInfo.com, and uh, the OC Register and Mental Floss. So a lot of those different places gave really great information and so i i'm very much appreciate that definitely so i think that kind of wraps up the show for this week I want to thank everybody again for listening um next week we'll be covering best friendships in the disney universe it's international best friendship day 
uh, next week. So we'll be we'll be covering that. So be sure to check out that episode next Monday. Uh, and be sure to subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. Uh, everything really helps. So thanks, everybody, again for listening. Thanks for letting us your ears. And we'll see you here next Monday. Bye.